wiggles, not the kind that wiggle tea that you drink, not scribble all together in a cottage she calls day. Cherries and tea with Nanny B. Welcome, my listening friends. Today we have another epic tale. So epic, in fact, my neighbor Jules will be here any minute now. Whoever could that be? Who is it? It's your neighbor Jules with another epic tale. Oh, we were expecting you. I brought the tea this time. Why, thank you very much. Then I better get on with telling you about our story. Today, we're messing about on the water with the likes of Mole and Ratty in a classic tale. Are you ready for a story? Oh, yes, please. Okay, then. The Wind in the Willows, the Riverbank Chapter by Kenneth Graham, adapted for radio. The mole had been working very hard all the morning, spring cleaning his little home till he had an aching back and weary arms. Spring was moving in the air above and in the earth below, penetrating even his dark and lowly little house underground with its spirit of discontent and longing. It was small wonder, then, that he suddenly flung down his brush on the floor, saying, Blow spring cleaning, and bolted out of the house without even waiting to put on his coat. Something up above was calling him. So he scraped and he scratched and he scrabbled and he scrooged, working busily with his little paws and muttering to himself, Up we go, up we go, till at last, pop! His snout came out into the sunlight, and he found himself rolling in the warm grass in a great meadow. Oh, this is fine, he said to himself. The sunshine struck hot on his fur, soft breezes caressed his brow, and after the seclusion of the underground cellar he had lived in so long, the carol of happy birds fell on his dulled hearing almost like a shout jumping off all his four legs at once in the joy of living and the delight of spring without spring cleaning. Oh, he pursued his way across the meadow till he reached the hedge on the further side. Hold up, said an elderly rabbit at the gap. Sixpence for the privilege of passing the private road. But impatient mole bowled rabbit right over, saying, Onion sauce, onion sauce, and was gone before rabbit could think of a satisfactory reply if one even existed. It all seemed too good to be true, finding everywhere birds building, flowers budding, leaves thrusting, and instead of having an uneasy conscience pricking him and whispering, Spring clean, he somehow could only feel how jolly it was to be the only idle one among all these busy citizens. He thought his happiness was complete, when suddenly he stood by the edge of a full-fed river. Never in his life had he seen a river before. The sleek, sinuous, full-bodied creature, chasing and chuckling, gripping things with a gurgle and leaving them with a laugh. The mole was entranced, fascinated. By the side of the river he trotted, and when he tired at last, he sat on the bank, while the river still chattered on to him, a babbling procession. Soon he saw a dark hole in the opposite bank, just above the water's edge. 
What a nice snug dwelling place it would make for an animal with few wants and a fondness for a bijou riverside residence, he thought. As he gazed, something bright and small seemed to twinkle down in the heart of it. Then, as he looked, it winked at him, and so declared itself to be an eye, and a small face began gradually to grow up round it, like a frame round a picture, a brown little face with whiskers and the same twinkle in its eye that had first attracted the mole's notice. It was the water rat. The two animals stood and regarded each other cautiously. Hello, mole, said the water rat. Hello, rat, said the mole. Would you like to come over? inquired the rat at once. Oh, uh, it's all very well to just talk, said Mole, being new to Riverside life and its ways. The rat said nothing, but stopped and unfastened a rope and hauled it in, then lightly stepped into a little boat which the Mole had not observed. It was painted blue outside and white within, and was just the size for two animals— and the mole's whole heart went out to it at once, even though he did not yet fully understand its uses. The rat rode across. Then he held up his forepaw to mole. Now then, step lively, said the rat, and the mole, to his surprise and rapture, found himself actually seated in the stern of a real boat. This has been a wonderful day, said he, as the rat shoved off. Do you know... I've never been on a boat before in all my life. What? cried the rat open-mouthed. What? You've you've never? What have you been doing then? Is it so nice as all that? asked the mole shyly, though he was quite prepared to believe it. Nice? It's the only thing, said the water rat solemnly as he leant forward for his stroke. Believe me, my friend, there's nothing... Absolute nothing half so good as messing around in boats, he went on dreamily. Oh, simply messing. Look ahead, rat, cried the mole suddenly. It was too late. The boat struck the bank full tilt. The dreamer, the joyous oarsman, lay on his back at the bottom of the boat with his heels in the air. Messing and oh. The rat went on, unrattled, picking himself up with a pleasant laugh. <laughs> In or out of them, it doesn't matter. Nothing seems really to matter. That's the charm of it. Whether you get away or whether you don't, whether you arrive at your destination or whether you never get anywhere at all, you're always busy and you never do anything in particular. And when you've done it, there's always something else to do. Look here. If you really nothing else on hand, supposing we drop down the river together and have a long day of it. The mole waggled his toes from sheer happiness, spread his chest with a sigh of full contentment, and leant back blissfully into the soft cushions. What a day I'm having, he said. Let us start at once. Hold hard a minute, then, said the rat. He tied the boat up for a moment climbed up into his hole above, and after a short interval reappeared, staggering under a fat wicker luncheon basket. Then he untied the boat, and they were off again. What's inside it? asked the mole, wriggling with curiosity. There's cold chicken inside it, replied the rat briefly. 
cold tongue, cold ham, cold beef, pickled gherkin, salad, French rolls, cress sandwiches, potted beef, ginger beer, lemonade, soda oh, water. Oh, stop, stop, cried the mole in ecstasies. This is too much. Do you really think so? inquired the rat seriously. It's only what I always bring on these little excursions. But the mole was no longer listening. He was intoxicated with the sparkle, the ripple, the scents and the sounds and the sunlight. He trailed a paw in the water and dreamed long waking dreams. So this is a river, said the mole, pulling himself together with an effort. The river, corrected the rat. And you really live by the river? What a jolly life. By it and with it and on it and in it said the rat. It's brother and sister to me, and food and drink, and naturally washing. It's my world, and I don't want any other. What it hasn't got is not worth having, and what it doesn't know is not worth knowing. Ah, oh, the times we've had together. But doesn't it get rather dull at times? The mole ventured to ask. Just you and the river, with no one else to pass a word with? No one else to... Well, I mustn't be hard on you, said the rat with forbearance. You're new to it, and of course you don't know. The bank is so crowded nowadays that many people are moving away altogether. Oh no, it isn't what it used to be at all. Otters, kingfishers, dab chicks, moorhens, and all of them wanting you to do something. As if a fellow had no business of his own to attend to. What lies over there? asked the mole, waving a paw towards a background of woodland that darkly framed the water meadows. That? Oh, that's just the wild wood, said the rat shortly. We don't go there very much, we river bankers. Aren't they very nice people in there, said the mole a trifle nervously. Well, replied the rat, let me see. The squirrels are all right, and the rabbits, some of them. And then there's Badger, of course. He, he lives right in the heart of it. Dear old Badger, <laughs> nobody interferes with him. They'd better not, he added significantly. Why, who should interfere with him, asked the mole. Well, of, of course, there are others, explained the rat in a hesitating sort of way. Weasels and stoats and foxes and so on. They're all right in a way. I'm very good friends with them. Past the time of day when we meet and all that. But they break out sometimes. There's no denying it. And then, well, you can't really trust them. And that's the fact. The mole knew well that it is quite against animal etiquette to dwell on possible trouble ahead, or even to allude to it. So he dropped the subject. And beyond the wild wood again? he asked. Beyond the wild wood comes the wild world, said the rat. And that's something that doesn't matter either to you or me. I've never been there and I'm never going. Nor you either if you have any sense at all. Don't refer to it again, please. Now then. Here's our backwater at last, where we're going to lunch. Leaving the main stream, they now passed into what seemed at first sight like a little landlocked lake. It was so very beautiful that the mole could only hold up four paws and gasp, Oh my, oh my, oh my. The rat brought the boat alongside the bank, made her secure, helped the still awkward mole safely ashore, 
and swung out the luncheon basket. The mole begged as a favor to be allowed to unpack it all by himself, and the rat was very pleased to indulge him, so sprawled out on the grass to rest while his excited friend shook out the tablecloth and took out all the mysterious packets one by one and arranged their contents in due order, still gasping, Oh my, oh my, at each fresh revelation. When all was ready, the rat said, Now pitch in, old fellow, and the mole was indeed very glad to obey, for he had started his spring cleaning at a very early hour that morning, which now, having experienced so much, seemed like many days ago, all without a bite to eat. When the edge of their hunger was somewhat dulled, the mole's eyes were able to wander off the tablecloth a little. What are you looking at? said the rat presently. I am looking at a streak of bubbles that I see traveling along the surface of the water, said the mole. That is a thing that strikes me as funny. Bubbles, ha ha, said the rat. A broad, glistening muzzle showed itself above the edge of the bank, and the otter hauled himself out and shook the water from his coat. Greedy beggars, why didn't you invite me, ratty? He observed, making for the food. This was an impromptu affair, explained the rat. By the way, my friend, Mr. Mole. Proud, I'm sure, said the otter, and the two animals were friends forthwith. Such a rumpus everywhere, continued the otter. All the world seems to be out on the river today. I came up this backwater to try to get a moment's peace, and then I stumble on you fellows. Oh, I beg your pardon. I don't exactly mean that, you, you know. They understood and were distracted. There was a rustle behind them, and a stripy head with high shoulders behind it peered forth. Come on, old badger, shouted the rat. The badger trotted forward at a pace or two, then grunted, Mmm, company, and he turned his back and disappeared from view. That's just the sort of fellow he is, observed the disappointed rat. Simply hates society. We shan't see any more of him today. Well, tell us, who's out on the river? Toad's out, for one, replied the otter, in his brand new wager boat. New togs, new everything. The two animals looked at each other and laughed. Ha <laughs> ha, once it was nothing but sailing, said the rat. Then he tired of that and took to punting. Oh, nothing would please him but to punt all day and every day, and a nice mess he made of it. Last year it was houseboating, and we all had to go stay with him in his houseboat and pretend we liked it. He was going to spend the rest of his life in a houseboat. It's all the same. Whatever he takes up, he gets tired of and starts something fresh. Such a good fellow, too, remarked the otter reflectively. But no stability, especially in a boat. Just then, a wager boat flashed into view. The rower, a short, stout figure, splashing badly and rolling a good deal, but working his hardest. The rat stood up and hailed him, but Toad, for it was he, shook his head and settled sternly to his work. He'll be out of that boat in a minute if he rolls like that, said the rat, sitting down again. Of course he will, chuckled the otter. Did I ever tell you that good story about Toad and the lock keeper? It happened this way. Toad was... <gasps> huh? 
An errant mayfly swerved unsteadily past, then a swirl of water and a gloop, and the mayfly was visible no more. Neither was the otter. The mole looked down. The voice was still in his ears, but the turf where he had sprawled was clearly vacant, not an otter to be seen, as far as the distant horizon. But again there was a streak of bubbles on the water. The rat hummed a tune. <laughs> and the mole recollected that animal etiquette forbade any sort of comment on the sudden disappearance of one's friends at any moment, for any reason or no reason whatsoever. Well, well, I suppose we ought to be moving. I wonder which of us had better pack the luncheon basket. He did not speak as if he was frightfully eager for the treat. Oh, please let me, said the mole. So, of course, the rat let him. Packing the basket was not quite such pleasant work as unpacking the basket. It never is. The afternoon sun was getting low as the rat rode gently homewards in a dreamy mood, murmuring poetry things over to himself. Gloom home, uh, which river, uh, Alf, maybe, sacred river ran and not paying much attention to the mole. But the mole was very full of lunch and self-satisfaction, and already quite at home in a boat, so he thought, and was getting a bit restless besides, and presently he said, Ratty, please, I want to row now. The rat shook his head with a smile. Not yet, my young friend. Wait till you've had a few lessons. It's not as easy as it looks. The mole was quiet for a minute or two, but he began to feel more and more jealous of the rat, and his pride began to whisper that he could do it every bit as well. He jumped up and seized the rowing skull so suddenly that the rat was taken by surprise and fell backwards off his seat with his legs in the air for the second time, while the triumphant mole took his place and grabbed the skulls with entire confidence. Stop it, you silly billy goat! cried the rat from the bottom of the boat. You can't do it. You'll have us over. The mole flung his skulls back with a flourish and made a great dig at the water. He missed the surface altogether. His legs flew up above his head, and he found himself lying on top of the upright rat. Greatly alarmed, he made a grab at the side of the boat, and the next moment, splosh, over went the boat, and he found himself struggling in the river, Oh, my, how cold the water was, and, oh, how very wet it felt. How it sang in his ears as he went down, down, down. How black was his despair when he felt himself sinking again. Then a firm paw gripped him by the back of his neck. It was the rat, and he was evidently laughing. <laughs> the rat got hold of a skull and shoved it under the mole's arm. Then he did the same by the other side of him, and, swimming behind him, propelled the helpless animal to shore, hauled him out, and set him down on the bank. When the rat had rubbed him down a bit and wrung some of the wet out of him, he said, Now then, old fellow, trot up and down the towing path till you're warm and dry again, while I dive for the luncheon basket. So the dismal mole, wet without and ashamed within, trotted about till he was fairly dry, while the rat plunged into the water again, recovered the boat, fetched his floating property to shore, and finally dived successfully for the luncheon basket, and struggled to land with it. 
when all was ready to start once more, the mole, limp and dejected, took his seat in the stern of the boat, and as they set off, he said in a low voice, broken with emotion, Ratty, my generous friend, I'm very sorry indeed for my foolish and ungrateful conduct. My heart quite fails me when I think how I may have lost that beautiful luncheon basket. Indeed, I have been a complete billy-goat. Will you have a look at this once and forgive me and let things go on as before? That's all right, bless you. What's a little wet to a water rat? responded the rat cheerily. Don't you think any more about it. And look here. I really think you had better come and stop with me for a little time. It's very plain and rough, you know. Still, I can make you comfortable. And I'll teach you to row and to swim, and you'll soon be as handy on the water as any of us. The mole was so touched by his kind manner of speaking that he could find no voice to answer him, and he had to brush away a tear or two with the back of his paw. But the rat kindly looked in another direction. Soon the mole's spirits were revived again. When they got home, the rat made a bright fire in the parlor and planted the mole in an armchair in front of it, having fetched down a dressing gown and slippers for him and told him river stories till supper time. Stories about leaping pikefish and sudden floods, about night fishings with the otter or excursions far afield with the badger. Shortly afterward, a most cheerful meal, a terribly sleepy mole had to be escorted upstairs by his considerate host to the best bedroom, where he soon laid his head on the pillow in great peace and contentment, knowing that his new-found friend, the river, was lapping the sill of his window. This day was only the first of many similar ones for the emancipated mole, free from his life underground each day longer and full of interest as the ripening summer moved onward. He learnt to swim and to row and started to understand what the wind whispered in the willows. The end. Why, thank you, Jules. You know, you've inspired me with that tale. Next time I'm faced with a difficult question, I will reply like Mole. Onion sauce, onion sauce. Oh, splendid nonsense. You bring the most delightful stories. Will you come again next week for another Tales and Tea? I sure will. Go to nannybee.com. Go there to find out more details, including the stories written out, so you can read along, and our contact details, so you can feature on the show. Go on and leave a message for Nanny Bee. You might be on the show. This has been a Toad in the Hole production for nannybee.com.